covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys, host Jeff Lloyd here, got Pete Smith, we're going to try to keep this post-game show a a regular thing, and two weeks in, and guys, I've been on this show for almost a year as a host of this show. I have never gotten to say yet, Browns win, and again, today, I kind of got myself teased into it. Uh, I didn't believe this game was going to be nearly as close as it possibly was. I do not believe that there was a possibility the Browns were going to be in this to the end. Uh, I mean, but they did everything they could and still managed a way to, I mean, I don't know if I want to say give one away because if you're playing the New Orleans Saints, you got to expect they're going to put 20 points on the board. It's only a matter of time if you give them the opportunities. But crashed and burned, 21-18 final in NOLA. Pete, what do you got for us? Well, my mentions may stop spinning at some point as I tried to defend Zane Gonzalez, who promptly killed, kicked, kicked me wide left. Uh, actually, with I, th- I, think he, I think he kicked you right down the center, buddy. I think that's the one he actually got right down the middle. So, uh, you know, he is sort of the focal point. Uh, I mean, obviously, he, he deserves a substantial amount of the blame. He'll probably be cut. Um, and, and I think in some respects, he's going to get maybe too much of the blame. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the blame. What I am saying is that he's going to be so much the guy that we may start, like people may ignore the obvious issues that this team has that were killing this team before, you know, Zing Gonzalez ever had a chance. Uh, I mean, uh, on the positive side, if you want to go that route, the Browns played well enough to be in a position where a kicker could break their heart. That didn't happen too often last year. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it, it, as much as Zane Gonzalez killed them in this game, he w- had some help. Uh, and, and there are a couple situations where, you know, there, there's some great things that happened, like that last touchdown to Antonio Callaway. Unfortunately, even if, you know, Zane miss, makes that extra point, the, the, steel, or the, the Saints come right – Exactly. This right. The Saints come right back down the field and, and get their field goal. And now, you know, now it's a potential game winner and all that. But it's still the turnover uh, from Tyrod was death. It, it just you couldn't have it happen. And, 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 it, and I suppose when it, people are done digging the hole and burying myself and Zane Gonzalez, they're going to get the more pressure is going to be on Tyrod Taylor. And what's fascinating in the end, as bad as Tyrod Taylor was, he actually outthrew Drew Brees in this game. If you actually go by the numbers, just because of the way the end of that game sort of happened, he actually had a, a couple more yards. But between that turnover and just a, a consistent struggle the entire game to, to make some even base plays, uh, the Browns have a huge problem on offense. And, and as much as we're going to talk about how much the kicker killed them, uh, even if he makes everything he gets, the, the Browns' offense wasn't good. I mean, it, this is another game where we're saying the defense saved them. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I guess in some ways we, we can say delayed the inevitable is the Saints missed two wide-open touchdowns early in the game. Now, I think the defense had something to do with that, creating a, a, an issue with comfort for Drew Brees, which is great. Uh, but they did. They, they missed those two wide-open touchdowns and, and sort of allowed the Browns to sort of hang around. Well, first things first. I mean, you want to get to some positives. Uh, Antonio Callaway, it, it, 
and I mean, just a, a huge spot for a guy to step into, make his first, you know, real meaningful NFL play. Absolutely, just freaking impressive from that aspect. So, I mean, you, you, you've got to take something away from that. And obviously, you know, Antonio Callaway, his shot is is here. It's here now. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, you know yesterday's events. Uh, a guy, me and Pete, have been screaming and telling you guys about Larry Ogunjobi. You were getting close to having a guy in the interior, kind of equal to that guy on the outside, and it is a beautiful thing to watch. And Larry now, he's in quarterbacks' heads, and you could see Drew Brees was definitely paying an eye as as it went on because he he he's realizing what this young man's about. But Larry Ogunjobi, Pete, I mean, we banged on this for over a year on the show, and this guy is just delivers, and I mean, and still is learning how to play this game. Right. Larry Ogunjobi was pretty much unstoppable for the most part. Uh, and he was fantastic. I can't say enough about the catch that Antonio Callaway made. That is a really, really difficult catch. Two defenders. I mean, you're playing in a huge spot late in the game. I mean, I literally, my eyes popped out of my head. Because first off, fi- thanks for finally ripping one, guys, and actually running a deep play. Because I was waiting for the hit Duke Johnson in the flat and come up three yards short. But ballsy call, and thanks, and Tyrod, way to let it rip every now and then. He can throw the ball deep. Right. There was a little bit of a defensive breakdown. The DB was peaking, got caught. Uh, Tyrod ripped it, but, you know, that's, you know, a really difficult catch. I think Callaway only had basically one catch the rest of the game. Uh, long reach out for that. That's a really tough play to make. Got his feet and everything. That was, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's. You know, I don't expect Callaway to be a guy who's going to catch six, seven balls every week. But that's what you're kind of hoping for is that Martavis Bryant with the Steelers type impact where he makes like two catches and they're huge take the top off defense type plays. And, and that's exactly what you got there. And, and it, I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people are in my mentions basically saying that when the Saints scored, the game was over. Uh, and it, in the second week in a row, we can say that, you know, there were times when this game felt over and the Browns were done uh and to their credit you know again it's not enough and they're oh one and one and nobody's satisfied with either of those even the tie is unsatisfying but the fact is they they do have something in them that says you know we, we, we're they're gonna fight to the end uh and, and put pressure on the other team uh but Larry Ogunjobi is outstanding I think you know, I, I, like I, I, you and I love Larry Ogunjobi. I was a little hesitant to put too much uh, on him just because, you know, he was only a second-year player, but he's gone out and he's deserved it. I mean, uh, he, he just annihilated veteran interior offensive linemen and just created plays, should have had three sacks if not for a penalty, uh, blew up one series basically on his own. Uh, he's just a monster, and that, that the combination of that with Miles Garrett and Jannard Avery, and you didn't even sort of notice the fact they didn't have Emmanuel Ogba says a lot. I thought Chris Chris Smith sort of it, initially the first quarter. I thought he played pretty admirably. I don't think he did anything wrong necessarily, but I thought he he you know he was a a, a enough to be to to fill the void. Um, you know, there, there's just so much to say defensively, and certainly there's frustrations with some open passes they gave up, and and some things like that. And and you're not thrilled with Denzel Ward, even though I think you know for the second week in a row he's been in great position on these plays. Uh, there's just a lot to be excited about on that side of the ball. Uh, but you know, you go back to the other side, and and you're just sitting there going, 
why are we insisting on Carlos Hyde over and over and over again when Nick Chubb goes in there, two carries, and both of them look pretty explosive? Uh, there's just a lot there on that side of the ball. And I'll give Todd Haley credit. The the play calling uh, to get the touchdown, that drive was great. Uh, I really like that underneath slant, that, that uh, sort of uh, – Clear out slant to, to Callaway there was great. Uh, there were a lot of plays in that that drive that sort of looked good. The offensive line looked like they asserted themselves a little bit and got some push. But it just can't be, you know, two drives a game where the Browns look like a professional offense. And that's that's kind of what they had. And, and at some point, the defense is going to give up. And, and I, I, I guess you can say they did at the end, giving up that last field goal. But, I mean, I, I think if – you went into this game and you said the Browns are only going to give up 21 points to New Orleans Saints. I think everybody would have said, fine, where do I sign? Uh, and, and said the offense needs to deliver more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't be more happy with that side of the ball. Uh, and, and it's a shame that, you know, you have a game like this and they do so much and you'd like to see it paid off for them. And unfortunately, we're in the same situation where they're coming off another loss with more, more questions than answers. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, now here, second week in a row, game went down to the final bell. Uh, Zane Gonzalez, you know, look, I mean, the guy's got to feel like absolute ass. There's just no other way around it. And this is part, most likely going to cost him his job because this is just the way it works. But everyone, if you look around the league today, kickers kind of suck. So, I mean, maybe we're going to get to more of a college atmosphere. Well, shit, I'll roll the dice for the two because, I mean... There's just not a lot of quality kicking right now in the NFL. Zane Gonzalez, a horrible, horrible day. I mean, you feel terrible for the guy, but at the end of the day, he's got basically one job, and nobody's going to pat him on the back for touchbacks. Right. Chris Boswell is making $20 million for the Steelers, the highest-paid kicker in the league, and right now they're down five, uh, and he missed a field goal, and he's missed at least one extra point. Like, he's had a brutal day, and it may come to cost him, but... This is why they moved the extra point back to that 33-yard kick. They want this type of stuff in the league, and it's unfortunately got Zane Gonzalez twice. Uh, and, and again, the, more than likely going to cost um, him his livelihood in addition to just costing me my, my mentions. But the fact <laughs> Your is— Your mentions were never that good to begin with. <laughs> uh, this is true. But the fact is that this is what the NFL really wants out of this. They, they, as as much as like everybody wants, you know, kickers to be perfect. The NFL loves the mess with kickers. It just creates so many more different situations and and different scores that force coaches to make more interesting decisions and 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 go for go for different things. And you're seeing that play out right now if you're watching live with the Steelers and the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, that it's it sucks. I mean, it's just you know, and I feel bad for the kid in the sense that you know it's going to cost him potentially his livelihood. I'm sure he'll catch on in a practice squad or something. But you know, and, and I and I know on some level that's exactly what they sign up for. But you know, when you have a chance, to, when so much is focused on the Browns anyway, where they they have no room for error, that everything is hyper criticized. So one bad play, you know, a drop, a a interception, as the case may be, or or missing kicks, that that guy becomes the worst person in the world for that given week. Uh, and and Zane Gonzalez is is firmly in that uh, corner now. Uh, where he's the the sole reason the Browns are terrible, which is not true, but you know he just, he's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah, and look, and guys, one thing we were talking about for a long time is you know this team needs to win. You needed to get the roster to get yourself 
enough talent to win games. I think we're all kind of agreeing that some of it's here, or maybe even most of it's here. But there is also, at the end of the day, there is learning how to win a game. Nothing's new down in New Orleans. It's They've been doing this for a long time. The Drew Bridge, I mean, you sub a couple of guys and put some parts in, some parts out. But they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for a long time and doing it successfully. But now it is. Two games in a row, right to the whistle. It, it's it, it's going to happen. It, it's, it's, it may happen Thursday night if Sam Darnold looks like he did today. It could happen Thursday night. So a lot is to be said for that. Guys, uh, one of my favorite sites, and uh, you know, me and Pete, we know a lot of guys you know, who write football and cover sports. Uh, a lot of them now are employed by The Athletic. Great, great guys over there. And one of the things I like most about The Athletic is it's a subscription-based publisher. It's smarter sports coverage. It's, you know, it, it goes deeper into diehard fans. It's not just a piece where you, know, you throw some stats into it. You're getting analysis. You're getting video from a lot, a lot of quality guys. The athletics model is simple. There's no ads. There's no pop-ups. There's no autoplay videos. So sometimes even when you get to somebody's article, if you've got to take 15 seconds to read it, you know what? You just end up exiting out with all the stuff that comes on. You're not going to get any of that with the, with the subscription to the athletic. Um, instead, readers at The Athletic, they get in-depth co- coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out and also know X's and O's. So you're getting a full, full piece. You're getting full quality work coverage with, well, go way beyond the game score, you know, b- play breakdown, scheme breakdown, all of that stuff. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 new stories published each week on The Athletic. Subscribe, be part of the future of good journalism. The Athletic, whether it's Zach Jackson who was on with us last week, Jason Lloyd, another one who does a great job. Guys, uh, when I put the show up, I will put up a link for The Athletic. That's going to get you uh, a nice discount on it. It's only a couple of bucks a month as it is for The Athletic, but guys, trust me, it's worth it. Uh, Pete, uh, obviously we, you know, players of the game, but I mean, going over it real quick, Antonio Callaway almost had 100 total yards in this game. Um, you know, the reverse was a nice call the first time, and, you know, Antonio, look, I know a lot of people, and I saw it all over Twitter, you know, he didn't follow the wall, and gosh, but these are things that kind of happen sometimes when you've been out of football for as long as Antonio Callaway is. I mean, you've got the goods, you're just as led as you are, but sometimes the simple nuances escape you from not playing in a while. But Antonio Callaway, nice debut. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, these wide receivers are involved. So I, I want to get to this point here. Pete, yesterday, in, whether I mean, you can't get upset with the Cleveland Browns. At any point, there had to be a fine line where we just can't do it anymore. It's like your wife cheats on you over and over and over and over again. And at some point, you just got to say, you know what? I can't freaking do this. I got to get out of the house. So yesterday, Josh Gordon, it, 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 you know, I got real upset about this over the summer with Josh Gordon because the thing for me is if this team keeps getting better and better and better and you can't base Josh Gordon on what he was four or five years ago, there are so many solid players now in this locker room. It, it was it, There was a time where push came to shove. It was the other 52 were Josh Gordon and the guys who were week in, week out doing what was asked of them it came a time where they had to be the greater good than just the potential of the unicorn that that Josh Gordon was. The issue for me isn't that they cut bait on Josh Gordon. I have no doubt that he earned it. I mean, this is chance number what thirty-five for him that he that might he, be a rough number. That might be a low the, number. 
that that you know that they if he wasn't as talented as he was, he would have been gone five years ago, six years ago, even. He got by on the fact that he is a genuine freak athlete. So, you know, nobody can blame the Browns for the amount of chances they gave him. What I can blame the Browns for, and, and I think honestly, this will be beneficial in the long run, even as much as it hurts today. I mean, I don't doubt that you know if he was healthy, that Josh Gordon maybe makes the difference in the, in the game today. Uh, but th- at the same time, I think it eliminates a cloud. I think it eliminates a distraction. It may actually prove to be sort of galvanizing to the rest of that that locker room. And, and, in, in, and as much as they probably wanted Josh Gordon to be successful, I also think there's an element of this is, look – the, your your mindset as a player is sitting there going, well, if I did half, you know, a third, a tenth, you know, one hundredth of the things that Josh Gordon did, I'd have been gone long ago. You know, let's move on and and, and bet on guys who are here, who are working, who want to be good, who want to be great for this organization. Um, that element. The thing I blame John Dorsey and, and and Hugh Jackson and everything related to the Browns is the fact that. Everyone has been saying since John Dorsey took the job, why are you banking on this guy given his track record? You knew this was a huge possibility that Josh Gordon would up and do something to basically kill this team and put them in a lurch missing this guy. And they went right and willingly and said, we're going to go there and we're not going to bring in an insurance policy. We're not going to try to find a guy to sort of in the draft or whatever to deal with this in the case of, you know, a Josh Gordon issue. Now, unless you're trying to tell me Jarvis Landry was that insurance plan, unless you're trying to tell me Antonio Callaway was that insurance plan. I don't think so. I don't think those were viable. And, and, and invariably teams are going to look back at, at Austin Corbett, unfortunately, who I think can be a good player, and they're going to be looking at Cortland Sutton, and I would be looking at Mike Jacecki, who I really like for that job, uh, at that pick, and going and sit there looking at them, going, "Well, we could have had this guy, and instead we bet on Josh Gordon and, and put us in a situation where now we don't have a guy on the field that's you know helping another team." Um, and like I said, I think that's unfair to, unfair to Corbett or Chubb or where, however you want to lay that out, but it's it's natural to think that way but again i think overall this should be beneficial it cleans the slate now the, the, the i do think there are some undertones here that suggest this is really bad for hugh jackson uh that this you, i mean you need w's you need w's yesterday you need w's as much as possible and i think it, it, up to him i expect he probably would have put up with it and, and gotten him out there as much as possible to try to get him wins this looks like a move for a guy like John Dorsey, who's much more stable, who can afford to say, this was never my guy. We can move on. We'll be better for this. Now, uh, maybe maybe it won't pay off right this second, but in the long run, this will be better for the Browns. And I don't think Hugh Jackson has a, a long run. I don't think he has uh, you know, long enough where, where he can see where this pays off. I think this only really helps John Dorsey in the organization. I do think this is what is fits in what's best for the Browns, but if you're Hugh Jackson, it cannot possibly feel good to watch this out the door. And, and, and if you watched Hard Knocks, he couldn't stop talking about this guy as if he was the guy who was going to save this team. And, and that 
could not have helped. And I'm sure Josh Gordon may have seen some of that stuff and may have been reinforced in that this idea that he could sort of get away with stuff. And and we don't know exactly what happened. There's just sort of an innuendo and and suggestions of what happened. But you know, th- this may start what is a real difference of opinion in terms of how this organization runs. I think it's better for the Browns, but certainly not better for the, for Hugh Jackson. Well, and, you know, the other thing, I mean, Sashi Brown's been moved on. We're going to about to lose Ann Gonzalez here. So much stuff can get moved on from, and look, even Josh Gordon now moved on from. If I'm Hugh Jackson, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little nervous each passing day I walk into the building. Um, there's a lot of new here, a lot of new everywhere, and it's kind of like, you, you know, John Dorsey's bought a fixer-upper, and he's fixed up the roster, and, you know, and moved on from a guy like Gordon. And there's a lot of stuff being replaced, but there's one thing here that is now 132-1, and and you wonder how much longer that is going to stay that way. So Hugh Jackson, I'd be a little nervous. Um, Pete, I mean, look, Tyrod with a big throw later in the game. Still some points left on. uh, The interception ran himself into another crucial, terrible sack. I, I think he's going to get the start this week. And it, where are we at on Baker Meter? It, it, could Thursday night be the last of the Tyrod Taylor experience? It's really hard to know what the dynamic is in the front office and everything. But I, I still believe that Hugh is attached to Tyrod in that I think this job in many ways is we, you wanted Tyrod. I got you, Tyrod. Now go win with Tyrod you're auditioning to be the coach of Baker Mayfield and that audition is not going very well. And you can see the, the, the offense hanging on to veterans like grim death. Uh, certainly Callaway got opportunities today. He certainly made them, he rewarded them with those opportunities. It's only more going to come. Yeah. And, and hopefully he stays, you know, on the path, on the path. And, 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 you know, he, he continues to pay them back for trusting him, and, and this could be a good situation and, and become a very uh, good weapon for them. But at the same time, as much as they're sticking with Tyrod Taylor, they're also sticking with uh, with Carlos Hyde. And I don't think anyone can sit in here and tell me that Carlos Hyde was good today because he, yeah. he wasn't. It was even, miserable. He, he wasn't even Novocaine. It was, I mean, it was honestly the only thing that Carlos Hyde accomplished today for this team was, you know, they ran the ball, which kept Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara on the sidelines watching. But there was nothing effective from Carlos Hyde. And why Nick Chubb, at you know 22 years old, is just sitting here, kind of hanging out when I mean, by every measure, he's the better player. It, it's it's another it's it, it's mind boggling. And especially, and the, and well, the, hey, just one more thing. It's not like Carlos Hyde's been here for five years. So it's not like you're hanging on to a guy who's proved you anything. But go ahead, Pete. No, the the other example I would say of sort of hiding rookies it was Austin Corbett last week where they had Earl Watford, who'd been there for all 20 minutes, active over him as the backup. Uh, Desmond Harrison, obviously a notable example of a rookie playing. But, you know, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, uh, and and – Austin Corbett are, are really good examples, and and, and Antonio Callaway last week uh, was was in the part of this group where the young guys are sort of being hidden from that side of the ball. Greg Williams clearly doesn't care. He if you, if you can help him make plays, he's going to put you out there. So you've got Fifth Denzel round, Ward. I don't even care when you went to college, Gerard Avery hit the ground running, kid. 
even after yeah. he hurt most of camp, dude, you're going right in right now. Yeah. And and he had Chad Thomas active today. God, <laughs> uh, God that I, I think that's a disaster. But Jannard Avery ha- had a great debut. I think Denzel Ward, you know, Denzel Ward obviously had a great debut. I I think he's going to get probably a little, you know, over criticized maybe for this week. Uh, certainly, the coach killed him last week, even though he was great. Yeah. Uh, God forbid, but, you ever, Pete, you cannot let up touchdowns to the greatest receiver in the game today. You're not allowed to do that. It's it's a no no right. in your rookie debut. But I, I really do feel like that that Hugh Jackson, in his whether you want to say it's an overreaction, maybe just returning tr- to to who he is, um, has said I want a veteran offense, and you know John Dorsey gave him one. So if he can't win with it, you know I I have a really hard time seeing where this goes, and I, I th- really do think. He's going to try to hold on to Tyrod Taylor as long as he possibly can. If for no other reason, we cannot have what happened the last two years where he puts in a rookie and then gets you know fed up or whatever with that rookie and then benches them. Uh, and, and I certainly think Baker Mayfield has the, the mental fortitude, and I and I and I I'd like I'd really like to believe that when he takes his his next snap for the Browns, it's going to be the following ten years after that. But at the same time, let's not make this a bigger mess and have, you know, Baker Mayfield go in there and get benched after a half. And then Tyrod Taylor goes back in there and it becomes that yo-yo thing like has happened the past two years. So, again, I I really do feel like Baker Mayfield is is the case of emergency break glass type situation. And I don't, you know, given what I've seen, I really don't want him out there behind some questionable protection with, with Carlos Hyde and some of these other things. I think he can be a great quarterback, but I don't trust very much offensively. And, and as, as frustrating as Tyrod Taylor is, uh, you know, he did at least make some plays today where they, they had a chance to win, and he, he's, he's taking some of the punishment that, that Baker Mayfield would be in his place. Obviously, the big thing Tyrod's got to stop doing is taking stupid sacks. Yep. He has absolutely... Get, had a huge problem. It was better today than it was last week, but it was a problem. And even in the late game situation, he took a bad sack. And even on the goal line where they scored, he ran out of bounds and went back two yards. Like just throw the ball away. It wasn't even like he got sacked. He actually ran out of bounds behind the play. Like those things are where you're going to kill him. And then obviously the the the, the interception. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately for Tyrod, he's been tabbed as the mistake free guy. And each of the first two games, he's made, you know, potentially game losing interceptions uh, that have just stuck a knife in the Browns' chances and, and really hurt them. And that's, you know, when you get a reputation like that, sort sort of in the same way that you don't want to be labeled a QB whisperer, uh, and then your quarterback struggles. That now you're, you, you, whenever you do that, that becomes the focus. And and the the one thing I did like from Tyrod today, other than the long pass to Antonio Callaway, is when they actually used his legs very judiciously on a couple plays. Now I wish it would have slid on the one, but Good I did Lord. really like, I really did like the couple plays where they sort of made him a, des- a designed runner and kept him out of trouble and picked up some first downs. Those are actually some really s- smart play calls. I thought. Yeah, and and it goes back to you know what we've been saying. You're too athletic to take these sacks, and it's okay to be safe, but, you know, that's what the sideline's for. That's what the third row is for. Get rid of the damn ball. Me, uh, guys, uh, you heard me last week, and everybody, oh, Jeff, it was a monsoon. It was a monsoon. The Part of it, what it is, is, look, the Cleveland Browns aren't going to make the playoffs. 
So when, you know, how much time do you want to give Baker Mayfield to be ready for 2019? And that's kind of where my thought process is here. If this team is going to lose, I'd rather a rookie quarterback out there making mistakes or playing Cincinnati twice or playing Baltimore twice, getting to know Pittsburgh, you know, all these guys that he's going to have to face. And these are the games that are going to be crucial, you know, obviously for the rest of his career. So I'm getting further and further there. Uh, you know, I, I do believe they run, want to run with Tyrod for a little while. But if they lose Thursday night to the New York Jets and you've got 10 days before you play your Week 4 game, I, I don't know. As much as, you know, you know, Pete wants to make it a break-the-glass open in a case of emergency, for me, it's if this team's not going anywhere, why don't we at least lose with the rookie playing and getting established with what's here. That's just kind of where I'm at, guys. It's going to be this way for me. Guys, mybookie.com. A lot of people ask me for betting advice. Uh, I can't give you a ton of betting advice. I'm not very good at it. Um, What I can tell you what to do is I can tell you where to bet. Mybookie.com. I would only recommend a site that has been good to me in the past. The few wagers I do make, I use mybookie.com. They have the best, uh, the, the website, fantastic. The mobile app, everything over there runs smoothly. Their online reviews are fantastic over at mybookie.com. So I do highly recommend that if you were going to bet, you should use mybookie.com. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for everybody who's fantasy-related, almost everyone plays fantasy except for a guy like Pete. Um, if you play fantasy, you can bet over-unders uh, you know, on specific players, which is always a fun aspect. It's always nice to have a better too if you're watching the Sunday night game or the Monday night game where you know that, that's maybe the only do, you know only thing you have. You can bet on the over-unders there. Um, one new thing for MyBookie.com this week. <clears throat> if you're a little bit of a later owl, you sign up after 7 p.m., they're going to give you an extra $25. So you wait till dinner's over, you know, starting to get the kids to bed, anything later at night. It's an extra $25. What also they're going to do right now is when you initially sign up is you are going to get a 100% return of your investment. So you put down 100, you are going to get 100. If you do it after 7 p.m., guys, you're also going to get an additional $25 on top of whatever they match. So free money. So even if you lose a couple of bets, you didn't lose with your money, you lost with their money. MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. New password this week, guys, you're going to sign up. Locked on 25 so mybookie.com, get on over there, guys. Make your wager in there. Uh, Pete, anything closing out? And, and it's going to be funny, and well, I mean not funny. It's going to be interesting how this team handles this. Now, look, uh, you know, a tough tie, a tough loss. It could really be a good thing that this team takes the field again in 96 hours, or it could really be a bad thing that this team's going to take the field in 96 hours. How do you see that playing out? Uh, honestly, I do think it's actually going to be beneficial for them. Uh, I think... I think there's an element of, you know, just get out there and get reps, especially on offense. Defensively, I, I mean, they, they lost. I'm sure they're a little unhappy, you know, more than unhappy with that. But I also do think there's there's an element of they're really getting this thing going and they just want to get out there and keep playing football. I mean, certainly I'm, I'm sure the physical physical toll uh, – was 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 rough, uh, and and they've got to sort of be able to heal and do that. But the Jets, you know, had a disappointing outing today, losing to the Dolphins. Uh, yes, guys, uh, the Jets—they weren't going to win the Super Bowl after Week One, and it's probably the best thing in the world that your rookie quarterback comes back down to earth a little bit. Now it's just you know now you understand the highs and lows of the NFL. But go ahead. 
Yeah, so I do. I do think it's beneficial. Now, the flip side of that is, uh, the the Browns are approaching a tipping point, and I think the next two weeks are going to be critical. And 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 I, and, you know, if they get a win against the Jets, I think things will settle down. If the Browns lose to the Jets, the pressure on them to go out to Oakland and beat the Raiders will be enormous. Uh, they'll have a week and a half to sort of sit. I imagine they'll fly out there, get settled, and all that, and try to be ready to go for that. But these are the two games right now that stood out as winnable. I think as much as people would have liked to say, oh, man, we're ready to beat the Steelers, we're ready to beat the you know the Saints, these, these playoff teams, I think there was an element of, you know, they're probably going to be 0-2, and they, they came out 0-1-1. I mean, I suppose that's slightly better. But then in terms of getting a win, the Jets were the team, the teams are sort of highlighting as saying, Ooh, we can get this one. The Jets are not very good. Uh, Should have had them last year. Should have had them last year. That this is a really winnable football game, and you have that four days, and, and you could really change your fortunes and say, and, and really change the, the the idea that it really was a kicker that has sort of held you back, and say, no, we're 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 actually headed on the right pace. Where I think if you if you go out and you get beat, uh, that's that's gonna again, it's gonna put a lot of pressure because then you go out to Oakland and then you're home at the Ravens, and that's a tough turnaround and oh, the, the Raiders are a very unforgiving place to play on the road that will be not easy by any stretch but the, the Browns cannot come back and play the Ravens at 0-3-1 they just cannot do it so I think there's a lot of pressure in there on the coaching staff I think the players you know that's where it's going to sort of they're going to figure out whether they can really play for this coach and I do not buy for one second that this is a matter of they play hard for you Jackson they specifically brought in guys who just wired that way their football DNA is play hard Miles Garrett isn't playing hard because it's Hugh Jackson he's playing hard because he's Miles Garrett Larry Ogunjobi's playing hard because he's Larry Ogunjobi Joel Batonio Jarvis Landry he's extremely competitive if they quit on this that would be stunning I don't care who's coaching uh, but the thing of it is at the same time, I do think if you're 0-3-1, there's an element of as much as they're going to compete, it, it, it's not so much it's going to be an element of we're not going to st- stop tr- – we're not going to try anymore. It's going to be an element of we know where this is going. Who's our head coach going to be? That's, I think, where this can wander and you're, you lose a little focus and, and, you, and you're sitting there and you have guys who aren't secured in their careers – who are sitting there going, well, where, where am I going to go? This is going to be new coaching staff. Does that mean I'm going to be out of here? That is type of stuff. Is this defense going from a 4-3 to a 3-4? Where do I fit in offensively? Who's going to be the guy here? Am I going to get my 80 to 90 targets a year? Or are they going to bring in somebody on top of me? Exactly. Right. So you have all these young guys with no secured future who are going to play the, play hard because they want to get that second contract. They want to get that stability. But then it becomes a situation. Is that going to come from the Cleveland Browns? Is this new head coach or whatever changes are going to happen? Is that going to mean the end of me? And that's where you can sort of get distracted. And even if they play hard that it becomes a little wobbly and you start to wonder if this thing's going to tip over and and the Browns are just going to run off a series of losses. Hopefully the Browns can win it against the Jets. God willing, maybe they roll off a pair of wins and come back to 2-1-1 two, one one against the Ravens and we can, you can get excited about that. But this is where I think the season becomes a tipping point. That is actually a great point like that. And guys, you know, a lot of the draft talk we've done, you know, I've been mentioning offensive tackle. Pete would just like to have 72 defensive linemen, which is a good theory too. Uh, wide receiver one, because look, guys, me and Pete, look, Jarvis Landry, 
has done some good things. Uh, I've softened more than Pete has on the Jarvis Landry stance. Uh, guys, Nikhil Harry, Arizona State. You like to stay up late on Saturday nights. Pete, that guy, number one. He's really damn good. Um, so, guys, here we have it. Uh, I'm going to close up Lockdown Browns. Look, another difficult loss. Uh, probably going to lose a kicker over it. Josh Gordon has been moved on. Uh, pretty crazy and pretty busy 24 hours, Cleveland Brown-wise. Hope we got you guys everything you can cover there. Guys, repeats work over at NFL Spin Zone. He does a lot of work. Whether they not agree with his opinion, he does put in the work, and he's entitled to his opinion. Follow the show, Lockdown Browns, the Twitter account, obviously. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ. Lloyd uh, underscore Lloyd. Guys, it, it's a tough one. I know where everybody's at. But here's the good thing. As, as tough as it is, we ain't got to wear it for seven days. We only got to wear it till Thursday night at 820. And it's another one. The Jets, obviously, with a big win week one. A huge step back this week in week two. It's going to be interesting how it all plays out. And, guys, we'll have you covered. Uh, I'm going to be a busy, busy guy over the next three days. In addition to just covering this show, I've got a bunch of Jets guys that want me to come on. It's, it's going to be a very busy week. Please look out for every appearance. Give it a listen. And then go ahead and blow up my mentions like you've been doing to Pete today. Uh, if somebody's got the extra cash, get Pete that Zane Gonzalez jersey when it goes on discount shortly. Uh, guys, until next time, let's go Browns.